Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Antoine Martel. Antoine is a 25-year-old real estate investor from Toronto, Canada, and from his dorm room, he completed his first bird project out of state with his father's $40,000. And since then, he and his family have completed over 250 real estate projects and currently have a $14 million real estate portfolio. They have also created helped to create $50,000 per month of cash flow for their clients of martelturnkey.com. So welcome to the show, Anton. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you so much. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, Antoine, if you can please share and, you know, a little bit about how you got started with real estate investing. Yeah, sure. So I was in college, uh, junior year of college, and I two years, a year and a half away from graduating. And I was like, man, it's either I start applying for jobs or I figure out my own business and a way to work for myself or for my family and stuff like that. And my brother took me and my dad to a real estate investing seminar. We learned about flipping houses, wholesaling, rental properties, all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, I just became addicted with it after that. I was like, I moved all my classes from 5 to 10 p.m. at night. So I had the day to network with people and go to coffee or lunch meetings or what have you with people in and around LA. And I would just hit them up on bigger pockets. Hey, I'm a local college student. I'm looking to invest in real estate. Like, how did you do it? The title of your product, like, how did you do it? Literally. And I would go around, I had like probably 250 coffee meetings in that, that, that one year, maybe not that much in that first year, but like, it felt like I was going to a meeting every day, sometimes even multiple a day. And just like picking people's brains about like their story, how they started, how they went from zero to one, how much money did they start with? And then like collected all those stories and kind of like figured out like, this is the path that we kind of need to go down. And so, like you said, with my dad's 40 grand, it was like, all right, if we have this, this is the budget. We can't flip houses in California. It doesn't make any sense. Things don't cash flow. We can put our money into one project and maybe like put the whole deal together, but you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, all this kind of like issues came up when talking about investing in California. So through those meetings, I learned about out-of-state investing, that people were flipping houses out of state from California, and then my brain kind of exploded. And then went down that rabbit hole of how did you build a team on the ground, all this kind of stuff. And Started learning, learning, learning for those two years, my junior and senior year. My last couple of, of months of college, I bought, we you know, found a team in Memphis, Tennessee, decided to invest in that market, built a team, property manager, contractor, realtor, and put a house under contract. We put the house under contract for like 35 grand. Renovations were like 5,000 bucks and the house was worth like 55, $60,000 after. So and up buying that house, renovating it, did a cash out refinance. And that was like right around the time I was graduating when we did the cash out refinance. And then we, me and my dad were like, all right, what, what should we do now? And I was like, well, let me keep, I'm graduating now. So let me keep figuring this, this thing out. I think we might have something here. And so for the next like six months or so, I just kept doing the same process over and over. I went to Memphis a couple of times to meet the people who I'd just been emailing or talking on the phone with. And then built up that single family home portfolio from like one to like eight or 10 houses. And then people started reaching out to us as a family, like, hey, 
you know, you guys are investing in real estate now and you have houses in Memphis. First of all, why Memphis and how the hell did you do that? And then second of all, like, how can we get involved? And so then we, then that's kind of when Martel Turnkey started, when we started selling houses in our portfolio to friends and family. And then, like you said, in the intro, we've done about 250 projects over the last couple of years and slowly adding new markets, slowly scaling up the team, the system and, and processes and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that sounds so great. Thank you so much. And I love that you guys, you, your brother and your dad are all doing this together. And it's really a family owned business. Yep. Yeah. My mom too. My mom was working at a, a hotel and she quit her job a year and a half ago, December of 2020. She quit her December of 2019. She quit her job too. So all four of us now, all four of us. Oh, it's really a, a family affair. So that's really great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So can I go back a little bit, you know, when you were first starting out and you were going to all these networking events and you said that, you know, you talked to all these different real estate investors and, um, you know, met them over coffee and everything like that. So how did you approach that conversation and how did they like, you know, as you were networking, how did you choose the people that you wanted to network with and have them be agreeing to go to coffee with you when people are looking yeah. to network? Yeah. So for the people that I was choosing, I was choosing people that had done a couple deals so far. It didn't really matter like where or or how or what kind of deal it was, whether it was out of state, I knew I could ask certain questions about like building up their team and how they did it and that kind of thing. Or if it was locally, then kind of like pick their brain on like kind of what the numbers look like behind the scenes. And, you know, if they made any profit, because there was a lot of guys that were flipping houses in LA, like 12 month project. Uh, the renovation budget was a hundred grand ended up being 150 grand and then hard money lender fees ate into X amount. And then they ended there like, yeah, we put in 150 grand and we ended up making like 20,000 bucks over like a year or a year and a half project. And it was not fun. Like it was, you know, city permits and all that kind of stuff. And then I kept hearing these LA flipping stories of deal number one, two, and three. And I was like, man, this does not sound, you just made it not attractive anymore to flip houses with your story. So Kind of with that, I would just look at people's bigger pockets profile and see like the amount of deals they've done, where they did it, and then see if I was interested in picking their brain. How did I message them? I, I really used the college kid uh, card hard. Um, hey, I'm a local college student at Loyola Marymount University. I'm interested in investing in real estate. Um, and then whatever, like if they flipped the house in LA, I'd be like, I'm interested in flipping houses in LA. And then can I pick your brain? I'll, I'd love to take you out for a 30 minute coffee break or whatever. And um, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people agreed uh, pre-COVID to uh, go and meet in. Uh, you could probably do it way quicker now with, with Zoom and stuff. But yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. A lot of I got a lot of people that were were opening up to me and um, and telling me my story. And maybe because it was I was a young college kid. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, especially especially in the real estate space, it feels like a lot of people are very open to sharing their knowledge if you're just yeah. willing to ask them. And so yep. the more questions that you ask, people have this like um, open mindset where they just want to share and then pass on their knowledge to you as well. Yep, I agree. And so one of the things that you also mentioned was, you know, as you were, you and your family were building up your business, you guys were buying turnkey or buying these different properties, you know, you were getting questions from other people about, you know, why Tennessee, why Memphis, mm -hmm. Tennessee? So what, what was the reason why you guys decided on uh, Memphis? Yeah. So a couple of things. So we downloaded a ton of data on like Bureau of Labor Statistics or BLS.gov, the Census Bureau, Forbes, and all these major websites. And we were looking for a couple of things. First of all, cash flow 
So like take the median home price, the median rents, you know, is do those properties cash flow on average for a city or what's called like rent to value ratio, something we looked at. Uh, population growth, either a stable or increasing population. Um, job growth, who the major employers are in, in Memphis, it's, it's FedEx headquarters is there. So FedEx is the major employer. And then like the diversity of the workforce too. So you don't want to have like what happened in Detroit happen in your market. So is there a diverse workforce of not just all everybody's in automobile manufacturing? Is there some sort of diverse workforce? And so it kind of just, and that happened through those, you know, 200 coffee meetings and listening to a million podcasts, but like what other people were looking for, we kind of made a list of criteria of like, I actually made a spreadsheet of like, 200 markets or 200 cities in the US and then put in all the data and then you could clearly see which one was the winner. And it was like, yeah, it was Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, Birmingham, Detroit was up there, Youngstown, Ohio, those kinds of places. And then from there, I just started cold calling property management companies and realtors and called like a couple hundred realtors in all those markets. And I was just kind of like shooting from the hip to see, I knew that these were good markets to invest in, but now like, can I find a good team on the ground? Cause that's going to be my next, my next thing that I'm going to look for. And uh, Memphis was the first place that I was able to find like a good boots on the ground with property management, contractor, realtor. After doing your research, you know, investing in California wasn't like a good option for you and your family. And so you looked yeah. at, started looking outside of the California. It's um, a lot of people have that mind block about wanting to invest out of the state or out of the place where they are living because they want to see the property yeah. and everything like that. They want to see, they want to touch the property. How did you guys get comfortable with actually going out of state? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, I mean, we have that pushback too with a lot of our clients because a lot of our clients are in California or Florida or New York City or Seattle and they want to invest out of state. And then, oh, but I'm never going to be able to see the property. And I say, yeah, that's better because you're going to have the property management manage it. You're not going to go and put your emotions into the property or drive by and say, oh, the, the kid there left his toy truck on the lawn. It's going to damage, you know, like you're not, you're like, you're leaving it as an investment property and focusing on the numbers instead of the emotions and like, oh, this hedge should have been trimmed a little bit better. It's irrelevant. The tenant's still there, still paying rent. So that's kind of what I, I tell a lot of people is like, it's better that it's out of state. So you're not forced to go and like drive three hours to drive by your property for no reason at all, except to see that it's not like didn't explode or whatever. And I think it, it keeps people focused on the numbers of the properties as well. And focusing on like removing all the motions from real estate, which like me, us as a family, we've definitely done. And we're trying to like get people educated on that. Like this is a pure investment and uh, to not focus on, on the numbers. Something we say to like get our clients more comfortable with investing out of state is the team on the ground. Right. So like, we're going to sell you this house, but here's the property manager you can call. Here's the title company you can call. Here's the lender that's done 250 loans for us and all of our clients. And so they go talk to these people who like, call them back with a Midwest accent and uh, talk to them about like, yeah, we manage, you know, 1500 doors or a thousand doors. We've been doing this for 30 years in the market. And it just like increases their comfort level a lot. So I would say talking to the people on the ground and not just taking our word for it as well is something that uh, helps people get more comfortable. So for you and your company, you guys find the properties also, and you provide these different investment opportunities for other people to invest in. But at the same time, you're also connecting them with different property managers, different lenders, different other team members that they're going to need to make this investment successful. 
Yep, exactly. So the process, if you want to, the whole process is we go buy the house, we'll renovate it, rent it out, put the property management company in place, then sell that house to our client, help our client get financing, insurance, property management, and then connect them with a lender to get a loan on the property as well. So yeah, every person they're going to need, we right from the get-go. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So when you guys are looking for a new acquisition to acquire, what is kind of like your criteria as you're looking to look for the next property? Yeah, so we, whenever we're buying a house, we look for a couple different exit strategies. So one of them would be selling on martelturnkey.com. Another one would be like burying the property. So refinancing it, pulling the money out, holding it in our own personal portfolio. The third one and worst case scenario would be holding it all cash and still like having a good cap rate on the property, I guess is the best way to describe that. So every time we go buy a house, we're not just looking at it from like, hey, can we sell this property to one of our clients and have our clients get good cash flow? But also if stuff hits the fan and we need to hold this property in our own portfolio, are we okay with holding it in our own portfolio? Are we okay with the neighborhood, location, rent amount, taxes amount? And that's something that makes people feel comfortable too. Like if you don't buy it, I'm just going to wait six months till the till I can season it and then I'll refinance it with the bank. So that's something that we look for. In general, for all of our properties, we look for properties that are close to jobs, probably like a 15 to 30 minute drive from downtown, B and C class neighborhoods, little to no crime. And we're still getting even today, like probably like a right around the 1% rule on a lot of these properties, probably a little bit less right now with the way the market's going. But And so when an investor comes, a new client comes and they want to purchase and they find a, a property, what kind of happens after that whole acquisition uh, process, after they've purchased the property, the tenant is already in place. And then what kind of happens after that? Yeah, sure. So they'll be connected and be in constant communication with the property management company. So property management company is going to take it from there. It's not that much work for the turnkey client. I mean, it's probably like maybe an hour or depends how quickly you can type, but it's normally like one to two emails a month that they would have to reply to for property management. And it can be as short as like approved or no, or, you know, denied or whatever. It's going to be like more for like maintenance tickets and stuff like that. But after they close, they'll already be connected, already set up on the property management portal. Then tenant will pay rent, property manager will take out their fees, and then they have a direct deposit to the client every single month. And then the only time when property management will reach out to the client would be about like eviction or tenant non-payment and what to do or about like maintenance issues and stuff like that. So they just pretty much need approvals or they keep the client posted on what's going on with the house that they bought. And so for you guys and your experience, especially during the pandemic that we're currently experiencing, how has it been with like in terms of collections and everything? Yeah, so it hasn't been as bad as uh, everybody's saying. We've been buying a lot of saw that we've been buying a lot of properties that are occupied where the tenants are not paying. But these are like dilapidated 
houses, you know, where the rents are $600 and they should be like a thousand dollars. So we're seeing like on the lower spectrum of people that put like lipstick on a pig and put like these tenants that are paying, you know, five, $600 a month who may have lost their job due to COVID or not, or just are trying to like get around not paying rent. So we're buying a ton of properties right now. And we're seeing a lot of inventory like that. So on the buy side, yeah, we're seeing a lot of people that didn't do things the right way are getting hit really hard. And we're buying those properties right now. For us on the other end, once we turnkey the property, do all the renovations and then sell it, we're seeing probably still less than, I think it's like 1% or less still today, even throughout all of COVID in terms of like an eviction ratio. So it hasn't increased that much. And then the tenants who actually like lost their job due to COVID are, we're giving the property management companies, giving them like a bunch of forms to fill out with the city or county or state. And the city, county, or state is actually paying for those tenants' rents. If they truly did lose their job due to COVID and they can show proof of that, then the city, county, state is paying for, for those tenants' rents. And so is there any risks or concerns that people have as they're going into a turnkey property that they should be aware of? The biggest rent risk would be tenant stops paying rent. And the second biggest risk would be major system malfunction or failure. So what that means is, well, tenant not paying rent is pretty obvious. The tenant stops paying rent. You have to evict them. The courts are still closed. They're kind of open, but they're still closed. They're not at like full capacity yet. So that kind of sucks. It's slowing the eviction process down, making it twice as long. It used to be like 30 days to get a tenant in and out from start to finish and cost $400. Now it's probably taking like 60 days. So that's a big headache, a big issue. There's ways to mitigate that. You can buy these like rental guarantee programs and stuff like that, which are around and a lot of people are buying them so they can sleep at night. The second thing would be like major CapEx items like a roof or hot water tank or HVAC. And so for us as a turnkey company, we try to handle a lot of those things up front so that the client doesn't have to handle them. But we make sure that they're in good working condition and don't have any issues currently. And if they're older, we'll still leave them in the property, but we'll normally get like a home warranty or something to like cover those items. But that would be like the biggest risk of turnkey rentals is if the major systems were not fully renovated, then those things could go out in two or three years or what have you. But there is a way to like get around that with the home warranty policies, which we buy for our tenants, buy for our clients if those systems are older and we haven't replaced them. For a newer investor who wants to get started with something like this, what is kind of like the first steps that they need to take in order to move forward and kind of take that first action? So for the turnkey rental side, if they have $20,000 in cash and credit score over 680, I believe, and W-2 income or 1099 income for the last couple of years, they can buy one of these properties. They can go to our website and uh, schedule a call on there and they'll be added to our list for future inventory. So that's pretty easy for turnkey rentals. Of course, if you're going to do other kinds of projects, it's going to require a lot more cash and then the financing is a little bit different. So yeah, for turnkey rental properties, probably the cheapest way to get into real estate because it only is $20,000 in cash where a lot of the other investment strategies are going to take a lot more than that. And so Antoine, what is next for you and what is like your next focus? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually doing that right before this podcast, like kind of uh, looking into the future. So we're doing right now about 10 to 15 houses a month. And then, but we've added a lot of new markets recently, which would be like Akron, Detroit, and St. Louis. 
our main two markets for the last couple of years have been Memphis and Cleveland. Um, so really like scaling out all the markets to be on the same level as Cleveland is for us. And Cleveland's our biggest market that we've done the most amount of deals in. So uh, we're doing yeah 10 to 15 houses a month. And hopefully within the next 12 to 24 months, we'll be doing like 30 to 40 houses a month. So we'll triple or quadruple in the, in the next year, year and a half. And how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Definitely changes the way you think about a lot of things, especially if you have that investor mindset. Like if I wrote you a magical check for $20,000 right now, what would you do with it compared to like, if you give the check to one of my friends from back home or I went to middle school or high school with my friends would go buy a new car or clothes or a watch. Whereas you or me would go buy something that's going to, that's going to grow in value and something that's going to provide cash. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is just like changing your mindset about money. And I mean, learning a lot of things that people only at the very, very top or large companies use and leverage in daily life. So I don't know. I think it's just like a, a complete like way of life once you get into this kind of real estate game and learn, you know, more and more about it of the tax advantages and all that kind of stuff. You can see how people that have been buying and investing in real estate for 30, 40 years are extremely wealthy because they got all these tax-free refinances for the last 30, 40 years. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Good question. I would just say I think a lot of people like give up way too early. Like they'll, they won't talk to enough people. They won't listen to enough podcasts. They won't read enough books. And then they won't take any, they won't take enough action is probably the biggest thing. Or they'll like, they'll study for like six months or a year. And then they won't like try anything like to try to do anything or try to pick up the phone. And I think that's the biggest mistake. Not something that I made personally, because I would like kind of listen to a podcast and then go and like do the thing that they talk about. But like, I just see that a lot where people are like just in learning mode and they're like, oh, I'm going to try doing this later. It's like, no, just like learn that thing and then go try it. Yeah, it might you might lose a couple hundred dollars, but go do it. It's going to be the best $300 investment you've ever spent because you're going to learn if it's going to work or not. So I would say just like putting action into the things that you're learning as soon as possible. And then in your opinion, what is that one thing that sets the successful people apart once they take that action in the real estate investing business? Repetition and doing it 10 times more than the other person. I'll have like people reach out to me on Instagram. Oh, Antoine, I did what you said. I messaged people on bigger pockets for coffee meetings. And I said, all right, how many meetings did you get? I had one meeting or I had two meetings. I'm like, maybe you missed the part in the podcast or whatever. Like, I had 200 meetings, like call me back when you have 50 or hundred meetings under your belt before you even start thinking about doing so. So you know, I think people are just like thinking way too small and not putting scale behind things too. like even building the teams out of state. Like I legit called like 250 agents in Memphis, Tennessee, one by one on Zillow cold calling. And was it a huge waste of time? Yeah, probably I could have done it way better, a way smarter way, but I learned a lot through those cold calls about like agents' mindsets and not every agent wants to work with investors. And some agents think the market's going to crash. And this was in like 2016. Some agents are just like completely against investing and stuff like that. So just not enough scale and volume behind what people are doing. So, you know, I wanted to kind of quickly touch the base on this really quick. You mentioned that when you were doing the cold calling, you know, you were just calling over 250 agents for that investor who wants to start. And the nervous, the most nerve wracking part is picking up that phone and making that mm -hmm. first phone call to that, to a real estate agent. You know, how did you get over that? And can you give any advice for it? 
yeah, there's no way to get over that except for doing it, for, to be honest. I mean, I was, and I'm the kid in college that like didn't even want to present. Like I would rather just jump off a cliff than do a presentation in college. So I was one of those kids. And for me, like a shy introvert guy to be cold calling all these agents was like completely out of my comfort zone too. So I'm not even like an outgoing, like talkative person. But for me to get on the phone and do that, like, that's how I knew, like, I was like interested in this real estate thing. Cause I was like, no, but I got to do it. I got to do it. And so, yeah, it took time. Like one day, first day you'll start off with like three phone calls and have a three panic attacks, but I mean, it gets better and better. Uh, it gets better and better as things go on. And then you'll just like, you get to a point of bliss of not caring and you can make 150 dials in, in a day instead. No, that's great. It's, it's like a muscle, you know, the more you exercise it, the more stronger your muscle gets. And then the same thing with doing the calls and everything like that. Just pick up that phone. And if you start doing those one calls, it doesn't, it starts getting getting better and better as you start doing like the 10 calls, 20 calls, 30 yep. calls. Yep, exactly. And do you have any tools or techniques that you can share that you've used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Yeah. So we use Zoho CRM, which automates a ton of stuff for us in our business. QuickBooks helps with all the accounting. And then we use like Google Sheets a lot to like kind of merge the two between QuickBooks and the CRM. I would say that Zoho CRM was the most helpful tool that we used. Awesome. Thank you so much, Antoine. I really appreciate you coming onto the show and, you know, sharing your experience and everything that you and your family have built up to today. So I really appreciate that. Of course. Thanks for having me on. And so if our listeners wanted to find out more, you know, um, about you and what you do, Antoine, where can they go? The best place to do it would be on Instagram at Martel Antoine on Instagram. And then also, if you guys are interested in turnkey rental properties at all, or just want to have a conversation with somebody on the team, uh, you can just head to the website, martelturnkey.com. And there's a button there, contact us, and you can schedule a phone call with one of us. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Antoine. Cool. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.